Yes, sir. What is going on, y'all? Happy Friday to you all, and welcome to the Coach Coop Podcast for another Friday discussion. And our guest for today is a man that has actually been on this podcast before, but at its very start, um, I want to say episode nine or 10, um, when we were just getting things going. And for those Friday discussions, I would just ask these guys or these girls some questions off script, and they would provide me with those answers, and then I would recite those answers that they provided to me. And especially with this guy um, that's coming on today and the energy that he brings, his emotion, his enthusiasm, his passion for what he has going on right now. I wanted you guys to hear that same passion in the responses and in this conversation that we're going to have. And I think you're going to get a lot out of that um, because of that very fact amongst obviously very um, beneficial other things as well. So um, with that, I would love to introduce Mr. Ben Boudreaux for our Friday discussion today. And a quick intro on Ben. Ben is the owner of Acceleration Fitness, which is located in Auburn Hills, Michigan. And it was just named for the second year in a row, Metro Detroit's top fitness facility. Acceleration runs world-class adult fitness programs where they help clients with fat loss, muscle building, and confidence building. In addition to these programs, Ben and his team also offer specific training for youth, high school, collegiate, and professional athletes. Now, once we hop into this conversation with Ben, uh, we're going to touch on a wide variety of things. And again, um, just the energy and the passion and the wisdom and the knowledge that he brings to the table um, with all these different entities. I'm really excited for this conversation today. So after a quick word from our sponsors, we'll hop in, we'll get going, and uh, let's see what happens. Let's go. What's up, Coach Coop listeners? I want to share with you about our awesome friends over at Nemus Rush Wealth Management of Raymond James & Associates. Their team takes a long-term approach to financial planning and investment management, carefully coordinating all the pieces, both professional and personal, that are central to your ultimate financial success. They handle the business of managing your wealth, leaving you free to enjoy the business of living it. Call the team, located in Novi, Michigan, to speak with a financial advisor at 248-449-5436. Raymond James & Associates is a member of the New York Stock Exchange and SIPC. Again, the number is 248-449-5436. Call today and tell them Coach Coop sent you. Make it a great one, y'all. All right, y'all. It is time to hop right into this conversation, and I am geeked up for this one today. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Mr. Ben Boudreaux to the podcast. Ben, thanks for taking time today, brother. I know you're crazy busy, um, but I'm looking forward to this thing and can not wait uh, to hear what you got to offer us today. So welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. I've been following you. Uh, every time I go on Twitter, I always see John Jakubik saluting me. <laughs> it's motivation, man. It's awesome. There you go. I love it. I love it. And to kind of start this thing off, um, you know, I think it'd be awesome if you can kind of give us a one or two minute kind of synopsis of who Ben Boudreaux is, you know, where does he come from? What has he been through? Um, and kind of what you're doing now, just to give a little framework to the conversation. I think that'd be a great place um, for us to kind of start this thing off with. Absolutely, man. So I'm from Richmond, Michigan, which is a yep. super small town, little farm town, Michigan. Um, the big thing for me right now is I'm a gym owner. That's, that's uh, a big thing in my life. We just opened up a brand new gym in Auburn Hills, Michigan. 
Uh, we went from 8,000 square feet to 22,000 square feet. And this all just happened in the past six weeks. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. Yep. But more important than any of that, I am a father of two little boys. I'm a husband to my wife, Samantha. Um, we have another baby on the way. I'm a family man. I am a firm believer in Jesus. And big. Uh, that's a huge part of my life is my faith. And I guess that kind of sums it up right now. I could go into a lot more details. Yeah. I wrestled at Michigan State. I was a strength and conditioning intern, which is where I got to spend a lot of time with John as he played football there. Yeah. A lot of science background, a lot of uh, strength and conditioning, personal training, all that kind of stuff. But in a nutshell, I'm a man of faith. Loving father, loving husband, and a gym owner. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Now, you did touch on your wrestling a little bit. Um, come from a wrestling family, grew up doing that stuff. Successful uh, wrestler in Michigan State as well. But if you can kind of touch on what wrestling taught you um, in terms of leadership and development, what it taught you about yourself in terms of discipline or hard work, um, I know that kind of played a big part for you in terms of your foundation as a person and who you are today. Um, so what are kind of the main key topics um, key things that you learned through your wrestling experiences throughout the years? A lot of times you learn stuff later on in life. You don't really realize that it's going to impact you the way it is. Yeah. So if anyone knows wrestling, you know, I think of two things. Wrestlers are crazy. Wrestlers, you know, they cut weight. And all that. the amount of discipline that's needed to be successful in wrestling, it's honestly unparalleled to anything I've seen. And sure, you got to work hard physically, but mentally, you know, to take your body through the limits every single day, but you're deprived of food, you know, you got to cut weight, which is just makes things a hundred times harder. The cool thing about it is while you're doing it, it's, it's dreadful. Cutting weight is very, very hard. And then pushing your body to limit. But as I'm older now and I do things in business and I do things in, you know, workouts and all that, nothing comes close to comparing to how hard that is. So what's cool about that is the discipline and stuff I learned from that sport. You know, when yesterday I woke up at 345, I got home at 8 p.m. For some people, that's crazy. But for me, it's almost like a walk in the park. It's, it's yeah. easy. I'm doing what I love. And I've done things a lot harder than that. Yep. So the discipline, I guess it, you learn on later on in life how it carries over. In my wrestling career, um, I actually learned how not to do it. To be honest with you, I was uh, captain of the team at Michigan State. And I'll be straight up with you, man. I was, a, I was a bad leader. I was not that good of a captain in college. And yeah. it's hard to learn leadership and you know some people say there's natural born leaders and lead by example and that kind of stuff and to be frank with you I kind of completely disagree from it and right. I think from being on the team and seeing the lack of leadership it makes me think about my life now and how I lead my company and how not to do things hmm. not to hate on Michigan State not to hate on that wrestling team because it's one of the best parts of my life right but looking back at the experience I'm able to learn a lot from that yeah yeah, no, that's incredible. That's incredible. And then, you know, kind of in accordance with that, you touched on a great point. You know, a lot of people think leaders are born. Um, you know, it's just kind of innate within you. Obviously, you have, to some, you have to have some sort of characteristics deep down in there to develop that stuff later on in life. But, you know, if, if you can go a little more detail, like what was it about, you know, seeing some negative influences maybe on the team or from coaches or from, you know, people or, or just, you know, things like that? Because I can attest to that too where, you know, I think a lot of who I am and what I do now is yes, for sure. It's from some of the positive parts of my life, but it's also from watching coaches and teammates um, and other parents kind of interact and coach and do this thing where like, I looked at them and thought, man, I don't want to be like that. And being around that too much, I could feel myself gravitating towards being that. Um, 
and obviously that's not healthy, but that's where I learned a lot of my stuff was how I didn't want to do things through watching these different people because it was so distasteful. So like, was, was it attitudes? Was it, was it work ethic? Was it whatever? And not to just call people out, obviously not in anything like that, but just generally speaking, like what were some of the things that were so distasteful that kind of turned you off and made you want to be different than you saw yourself becoming or that you currently were? From what I saw, I was really valued by people that, and I think this is every sport, honestly, it was really valued that the best leaders lead by example. I'm not vocal. I lead by example. Got it. And to me, honestly, leading by example is, it's, that's essential. That's, that's gotta be there. Like, I mean, that's just like the bottom line. Like if you do that, that's like the first step of leading, but there's like six or seven steps more that you got to take as a leader to actually be effective. Leading by example might work to a certain limit, but you got to be vocal. You got to be outgoing. You got to be, there's so many different things that were missing from that. And right. I think that's where it stopped. And that's, it was preached by other leaders, you know, lead by example, everything else take care of itself. I just, I didn't, I didn't buy into that. And I still don't today. Right. 100%. So yeah, no, I feel you. And I remember coach Manny back in Michigan State talking about that same thing. Cause he would always say, you know, you know, screw, screw lean leading by example, like you need to use your voice sometimes. Like a voice is so powerful and obviously action can take you so far, but at the end of the day, you have to speak that stuff into existence. You got to be vocal about that stuff and articulate it with your words. And I feel you on that too, because I used to kind of be that guy where I thought, hey, I'm just doing it so everyone else is going to follow. Well, no, not necessarily. Maybe some people, but not everybody. And if you want to take that next step, then that, that vocalness, if you will, is what's going to get you there. So um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's awesome. Um, and then kind of moving on from that, you know, like you did say, you worked at Michigan State as a strength coach. Um, I know you spent some time at State of Fitness where I was at as well. Shout out to State of Fitness. Um, and Lance yeah. and Justin doing awesome stuff still. Um, awesome guy, awesome gym. But, you know, that, that, then you kind of took a trip down to Tennessee. You're working there for a little while. I feel like you had a calling to come back up to Michigan, start your own gig. So kind of throughout that process, um, kind of the ups and downs of that whole thing, um, what were some, um, some characteristics, some qualities, or some people that you really leaned on to, to help you sustain through all of that? Again, the ups, the downs, the traveling, the moving, um, the unknown, if you will. What, what are kind of some of those things leadership-wise that helped you sustain throughout all that? Yeah, I think throughout all of that, you know, just thinking all the people and kind of reminiscing on all those kinds of things, the one characteristic that I can take from all that is fearless, hmm. being fearless. Because every situation, I mean, imagine, you know, John, you're getting married next June, right? Yep. Imagine you get married in June, June 25th, and in two weeks, you're going to take your brand new wife and move to a place you've never been before. You don't have a house. You have nothing. The gym doesn't exist yet. You got to go build it. You don't know the area. You know nothing about it, and you're going to go do it. Yep. That's what I did. I, I got married in um, August 17th, and then Labor Day or Labor, whichever one it is, Labor Day Memorial. Yeah, Labor, yeah, I got you. I drove, I drove my dad's car to Tennessee because my car wouldn't make it. That's how broke I was. Wow. My dad let me his car to go down there. And uh, I just remember calling my wife. I was there for two weeks by myself. My wife's like, how is it? I'm like, oh, it's amazing, babe. You're going to love this. <laughs> and as I'm saying this to her on the phone, I don't have a place to stay. I'm staying in the house of the other owner that was with me in that gym. And she thought I had all this stuff figured out. Dude, I had nothing figured out. All I knew was that I was following God and where he was leading me and the passion and being in fitness and doing that's all I knew. So in order to do that, you got to be fearless. And was it easy? Hell no. I mean, was, do I regret it? Not one bit. 
Right. Because honestly, those experiences of being exposed to those kinds of things, it's just, you have to be fearless. It 100%. takes a lot to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's taking that leap and falling flat on your face and kind of reaching the bottom of the barrel a little bit. You have nowhere else to go but up, kind of the common adage. But at the same time, that allows you to build that foundation in the way that you want to do it. And when you don't have much going around, you don't have that, like that's a phenomenal opportunity to start. And I think sometimes, um, do you ever want to fail? Do you want to fall flat in your face? Of course not. But at the same time, like if you're confident enough in yourself to make it work, you're going to make it work. And the things that you learn along the way, um, man, I mean, I, I can definitely attest to that too. So that's a phenomenal point. Phenomenal. Yeah, point. I think. And just to touch on it too, being fearless, but number two is having a growth mindset. Okay. Like when you have a fixed mind, you know, I don't know if you've read that book by Carol Dweck, The Growth Mindset, I highly recommend that. Yeah. But having a fixed mindset is saying like, you know, I can't run a 40 yard dash in five seconds. I can't do it. It's just not my, it's not in my human nature. A growth mindset is like, Hey, I ran a 5.5 today. If I work on this, maybe I can get down to 5.4 and you just keep growing and growing and growing. So everything, every time you fail, it's like, okay, this is fine. I learned how not to do it. And right. Just keep going and going and going. Right. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think you can definitely talk about that growth mindset with what I, you know, what you're kind of doing now with um, acceleration. So, you know, again, but kind of in, in preparation for the conversation, I was looking back to your archives and, and your journey and your path. So you kind of come back to Michigan and now you're starting this whole acceleration fitness journey. You're working out at a dome. It looks like it's winter time. Like you got your hoodie on, you got your hat on. looks like it's free <laughs> at this place. You're working out like one, two, maybe three people. And you're just grinding it out. You're making it happen. And now you own this huge spot. You're part of, you know, you're, you're doing your thing. You kind of see where you're at now. Like, like how did you get from that point to where you're just working out one to two people and you're just trying to figure it out, find your way. You're freezing your butt off in the process. Like all this crazy stuff. And now you look at what you're doing now, obviously you still have a long ways to go in your own mind too, but at the same time, the growth that you found along that path, like, like what, what, what kind of took you from that starting point there and into kind of what you're doing now? Like what were some of those things? Humility. Got it. Definitely a lot of humility. Um, to tell a person, you know, anyone's listening to this and you have a bachelor's degree, you have a master's degree, you're a big 10 athlete. And since you did all that, you get to go work inside of a dome where it's 20 degrees and people know what hats and gloves and you got to train them. You don't really expect that when you're in school, you're like, yeah, I'm going to come out with this nice paint job. And yeah, no. So it takes a lot of humility because had I been in a situation that I had the attitude of, I've earned more than this, you know, I'm, I'm more entitled to, to something more than this. Had I had the attitude, we wouldn't be on this conversation right now. Love it. So it also stems back to my athletic career too, because like I said before, man, when you wrestle in college or you wrestle your whole life or you're a college athlete just in general, you're not necessarily or not likely to face situations that are harder than that. Right. So I looked at it as, you know, I'm earning a paycheck. I have a beautiful wife at home. Does this job kind of suck? I didn't think so. I'm still doing what I love. I'm still in the zone training people. If it's snow, sleet, rain, if it's hot, whatever it is, I'm still doing what I love. Yep. So you got to be humble in that sense. You know, you wish now that I had this nice brand new gym. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. But to be honest with you, man, it's not the magic of the whole thing. The magic of the whole gym that I run is the culture. Yep. And it's the positive, the positive people and, the, you know, the conversations I have with clients about, you know, I, it's, it's unreal the situations I'm in sometimes. You know, I've had a lady came to me three weeks ago as I opened up my doors to the gym, and I haven't seen her in probably two years. Okay. And she just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And she wanted to talk to me. Wow. And I'm like, you know, like, 
I stopped what I was doing. I had a million things to do, but I stopped, listened to her and looked in her eyes. And, you know, she has kids, she's in the neighborhood, she's faced with this breast cancer. And I think of that situation and like, whether I'm in a gym or a freaking, you know, a shack, it doesn't matter. Like yep. those situations happen. It, it keeps you going. Yep. You know, I'm so, I can't even say happy. Like I feel just privileged that someone would come to me with that deep of an emotion and be comfortable saying it to me and, and look to me for some kind of positivity. Yep. I, I see that as, you know, God puts people in front of your face for a reason. You just got to go with it. I get it. I get it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, as kind of a gym owner and looking, you know, fast forwarding where you're at now in the current situation, you're in a new spot, brand new facility, beautiful facility. Um, you know, you got your clientele, you guys are rocking, you're doing your thing. Um, what, what, what are kind of some of the, and again, I know you just touched on a few of them, but what are some of the best parts um, of your job in terms of owning that spot and doing your thing? And also what are some of the biggest challenges that come along with that as well? Yeah. Um, the best parts, for me is and I'll go back to it. It's the clientele. And everyone's heard the story before. And, you know, as gym owners, you say, I love my clients. A lot of people, I think to be honest with you, man, the fitness industry, a lot of people say that shit, but not a lot of people actually go through with it. Straight you know, up. I'm, I have 85 text messages to respond to today. And I don't say that as holy crap, I got a lot to do. I get to respond to 85 people who give me their time and let me in on their kids. And, you know, when I walk into the building, it's similar to walking into, you know, how you are at a family party, at a family Christmas, at a family Thanksgiving, where you, you generally want to see everybody, you know, and sure, you got like the people like, that can be annoying, like a, like a brother or a cousin, but it's truly like that. And I never want to take that for granted. Because to be honest with you, man, when I was growing really fast with my clientele, we went from zero to, you know, 250 clients in two years. When that happens, you can get led by different people that, you know, you got to get out of the business, start working in, on the business. You got to do this, you got to do that. And I made that mistake, man. I got out of the business. I stopped coaching on the floor because I, I you know, on the business, I got to do the marketing stuff. I got, yep. I got to take yep. care of this. I get it. And I made that mistake. And now I'm back on the floor coaching because that's where it all started. So I never want to take that situation for granted again. Got it. That's, uh, I guess that answers both questions. That's the best part. Yeah. And it's also the most challenging part too. For sure. Um, you know, and you come home, you're the gym owner. It never stops. No question. You could be on vacation. You could be whatever you're doing. You got to be very disciplined in shutting it off. When I'm with my kids, I am with my kids. Is there a text that I should respond to that where I can make a lot of money? Sure. But you no. know what? Somebody told me when I had my kids, and I, I'll never forget this. If you fudge up raising your kids, nothing else matters. Wow. Now he didn't say fudge. He used a different word, but no question. Yep. if you mess up raising your kids, nothing else matters. And that just made me think, you know, 30 years down the road from now, if I have a successful gym and I have a Lamborghini outside and I'm, I'm on cover of men's health magazine, but my kid doesn't talk to me, what the hell does it matter? Yep. 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 Profound. Profound. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I get that. And that's an awesome kind of lead into this next question. So I want to shift gears a little bit in terms of your family, right? So you're doing this thing, you're crazy busy. You got two kids at home. You got your wife, obviously. You got your extended family. You got one on the way. Um, is work-life balance a thing? Is that even a thing for you? How do you go about that? Um, how do you manage that? And what are some um, uh, kind of specific ways that you try to make that balance, if at all possible? Uh, I don't know if work-life balance exists. Yep. Um, 
I truly believe it. It depends. It all starts with the marriage. Honestly, I really think it all starts in there. Got I'm so blessed to have a wife who's, she's been with me since college. So she's all those ups and downs, you know, she's seen me go through those. Oh man, getting emotional here. Um, you know, she's been my rock from day one. She's seen the hard work, you know, she's the 3.45 a morning, you know, she's, she's so used to that. That's just how it goes. So like, yeah. You know, she's supportive of all the things I got to do. And without that, man, I don't, I would not be where I am today. There's no possible way. So awesome. I think for anyone listening to this, that's where it all starts. Man. It starts in the marriage because the marriage is where, I mean, obviously it's how kids start too. So how you treat each other, your kids see that and yep. how supportive you are. It's, it all starts from that thought right there. And it takes a lot of work. I mean, no. I, marriage is not something that's simple. Like, Hey, I found the one I love. Boom. We're going to be married for the rest of our life. It takes a lot of work, man. Right. Right. Is there time, you know, not to get personal, I think, but in terms of making that stuff happen with your wife, you know, spending time with each other, making time um, for your kids, whatever, like, it, or, or, is it kind of a structure thing per week where, Hey, Wednesday nights, we're going to go out to dinner or, you know, in the morning we're, we're, we're going to work out together on Saturdays and go for a walk. Like, are, are there things like that, that you try to utilize or you kind of ebb and flow? Yeah. Um, how does that work for you? Absolutely, man. It, yeah. it, there's an ebb and flow to it, but you gotta, you gotta make time to structure it too. Got it. Um, Tuesday morning, from 8 to 8.30, I'm on a walk with her. We drop the kids off at daycare, and I go for a walk. Sweet. My best, one of my best mentors, you know, when I got married too, told me that date nights. Okay. Date nights at least once or twice a month. Shut the phones off. Even if it's going for a walk, you got to do that. And as you have kids, I say that right now. We have two kids, three and one, and we have one on the way. So life is just chaotic, man. For us to get out, it's, it's very challenging. So I can imagine. like I said, it takes a lot of work. But what I've done I've been very lucky to do is I established that from day one with my employees, with my clients, you know, like they know like how much I value my wife. And when I'm on date night, you might not get a call back from me. You know, it's, it's, it's the assumption and it's cool. And it, it, I want my employees to feel the same way too. When they go on vacation, I don't want to talk to you. Go enjoy in life, you know, be with your spouse, be there for them. Yep. 100%. Now in terms of that yeah. disconnection, um, you know, shifting gears again, just a little bit, but like, I just read a book called Unplugged and what they talk about is kind of getting away from all these technological advances and reconnecting with your true self, getting out into nature, go for walks, you know, go to the beach, um, go climb a tree, go do different stuff like that to truly disconnect from this technological world that we have going on. Obviously our phones are a big deal. And when you're owning a business, your phone is always on you. People are always calling you, texting you, whatever. What are some ways that you disconnect? Because for me, like I used to be religious about my Apple watch. Like I would track all my workouts you know, my caloric intakes, outtakes, this, that, or the other. And after I read that book, I said, screw it. I'm going to lose this thing. I'm going to take it off. I'm not going to, you know, wear it. The only time I do wear it is when I'm coaching so I can stay on task and stay on a schedule um, time-wise. But I found so much, um, what's the right word I'm kind of looking for? I, I just feel a lot more free. I feel more like myself because I have, instead of listening to the watch per se, now I'm listening to myself or I'm listening to my fiance more or you know, I'm not worried about this other separate device to kind of gravitate towards the kind of run my life. Now I'm back to doing it. I don't need this thing to run me. So like, you know, whether it is disconnecting from work to spend time with family or whether it is your fitness stuff, like do you, do you try to do any of that with your technology and with your fitness stuff or, or are you still, you know, a big proponent of that either way? Yeah, it's, that's a, that's an ebbs and flows thing. I think it developed yeah. over time, but here's a, here's two stories for you. Please. Uh, my Instagram, I tried to build my Instagram up really hard. 
Yep. So one year we're on vacation. We go to vacation to uh, actually where you're at right now, 38 in Florida. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. The first year I went, I was posting on Instagram three times a day. I did it for an entire year. Okay. Three times a day. So all my posts really got my Instagram, my hashtags, everything. So on that vacation, you know, I was on my phone taking pictures and just everything I was doing on my phone. And was I with my kids? Yeah, I was with my kids. We took pictures. My wife, did she complain? No, not really. It wasn't like a huge issue. So it was, it was manageable. But inside, man, it was like your whole life revolves around, oh, man, it's a really cool-looking tree. I got to take a picture. I got to post it. What's yeah. the hashtag going to be? Yeah. Instead of enjoying what that is. Yeah. Fast forward to this year. Mind you, we're building a brand-new gym. There's a lot of clients. There's a lot of things to do. We went on vacation for six days down in Florida, 38. Yep. Shut my phone completely off. Did not turn it on. I mean, power off. Like, I, don't, I didn't even know how to turn my phone off. That's how I figured it out. <laughs> I shut it off and, you know, just getting to the grocery store, finding directions. I had to ask people like, Hey, what road is this? Okay. I take this road. You, you go back to your roots. Like, okay, this is what I used to do. My wife would go into the grocery store and normally when she do this, I'm right on my phone, my kids in the back seat. I'm just, I'm scrolling. Right. Yep. Well, this time I didn't have my phone. So what do I do? I start talking to my kids. We look around for things to do. I noticed the fire department is right next door. I'm like, Ooh, let's drive over there. Okay. I drive over there. It just so happens the firemen are doing some training outside. They're spraying the hoses. They're doing all this. And my kids are just like, dad, dad, dad. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. So we stop. I roll my window down. And one of the firemen sees my little guy in the back seat. So he waves me over there. I'm like, what? Okay, let's go. We pull up to the fire station. Next thing I know, my kid, who's, he hates wearing shorts and pants. He's in his underwear. They give him a fire hat. He's holding the hose, spraying it in his underwear, and he just looks at me. And he's just like, I mean, I started, I started tearing up because he was so happy. It was a cool scene. It's not wow. talking about for months. Yeah. So I think about that, and I'm like, had I had my phone on, had I been the old self where I'm scrolling through mindlessly doing all this stuff, I would have missed what's in front of me. Yep. So to answer, hopefully answer your question about disconnecting, yeah. it, it takes, it takes discipline. But man, you want to talk about recentering yourself and actually seeing things and living? Yeah. It's it's definitely worthwhile. I love it. That's awesome. Cause I'm, you know, kind of in accordance with that. That was almost like a selfish question because with this podcast or the website or my own social media and stuff, I kind of feel myself getting to that point where it's like, instead of just enjoying the moment and being present, like I'm thinking about, Oh, would this be a good, you know, piece of content or would this be a good little clip to post on Twitter? Like whatever. So like, that's where my mind's at. And I know deep down, that's not who I am. So like not even morally pulling at me a little bit, but just my conscious is kind of like it's in a tough spot. So like, I guess my next question would be in terms of advice, like obviously I want to grow this stuff. I want to make it bigger. I want to expand on my reach and whatnot, you know, but at the same time, I still want to stay true to myself, enjoy these experiences and whatever. Um, you know, do you have any advice in terms of how to go about that? We're still achieve that growth and still build this thing along the way. And also, you know, still enjoy those moments and be present. I think you got to do, it, it takes more work and you probably want to hear that, but you got to work on scheduling things and getting okay. outside. Like for me, I like, I like fishing. So I got to schedule fishing time because I know if I don't do that, I'm not going to be as good at my job. Gotcha. So in a sense, you're, you're still working. You're just not taking time off. And this is what I learned too with posting and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, I still do it today. It's addicting, man. You see a cool exercise, you want to post it and Right. You're doing it because you're, you generally care about your audience. Yeah, so absolutely. Hear this, yep. that you're trying to provide good content. Yeah. And what I noticed is that when I posted three times a day, 
some of my content would be a little bit watered down. It wouldn't matter as much to me. And I heard this quote, and this quote completely changed my whole perspective on it. When the man matters more than the message, the message will always wane. Wow. But when the message matters more than the man, man will always rise. Got it. Got it. And you just threw me for a loop. I love that. Yeah. And I can very much, <laughs> very much resonate with that right now. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate because you see a lot of stuff on Instagram and people and, you know, social media, they'll post for them. And we're all yeah. guilty of it. No, no one's get around it. But Absolutely. When you don't make it about yourself, you're going to rise. Got you. Got you. So cool. Understood. No taken. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I, I, I needed <laughs> right. that. I've been struggling with that, and I know a lot of other people probably are too that are listening. Um, so yeah, no question. I love it. I love it. And can I wrap this thing up here, Ben, um, to to let you go a little bit? Last question I want to ask, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about it. Um, when we're thinking about 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, who knows how long you're going to live? But down the road, you know, your time, you're dead and gone. You're out of here. Um, the people who have experienced you, who've been around you, who've been coached by you, who live next to you in the neighborhood, whatever, what do you hope people are saying about you at that point in time? Your life, dead and gone, you're doing your thing, awesome. Um, what, 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 what do you want people to say about Ben Boudreaux at that point in time? That's a big question. Yeah. That's a big question. Uh, you know, growing up, I had this picture and um, it was my grandpa's uncle, a guy named Lou Boudreau. Okay. He spelled his name different, but he's somehow related to me. Okay. And he played for the Cleveland Indians. And he was a Hall of Fame shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. And he's one of the only guys to be a Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame player, and a Hall of Fame broadcaster. The dude was just an all-around badass. Okay. And I had this picture that was autographed by him, and we had him in a room. And whenever we got ready for wrestling meets, whenever we got ready for football, whatever sport we played, I wanted to be that guy so bad. I never met him before. Didn't know much about him, but I knew that he was a good man. You know, he wasn't in the public eye of, you know, doing anything wrong to other people, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like some athletes today, they get in trouble. Yeah. Never yeah. had that. He was a positive light in the world. And he inspired me just because of who he was and the accomplishments that he did. Got it. My hope you know, 60, 70, 80 years from now is my grandkids, my great grandkids to see this picture of me and be like, damn, he was a G. He was a good guy. He was a man of faith. He was a family man. You know, whoever was around him was impacted in a positive way. He lifted others up. Yep. You know, that's, that's the important stuff to me. It's not, not the money, not the stardom, not all that kind of stuff. And people probably hear that like, yeah, I've heard that before, but truly if my kids and my family know that I was there for them and I loved them and I, I kept my faith with God and I was, I changed the fitness industry for positive thing. That's what matters to me. I don't know what that is yet, but I'm being patient with God and having him lead me to go where he wants me to go. Yeah. But that's, that's hopefully that sums it up. I'm yeah. hoping that that picture is somewhere in some kid's house that he sees and it impacts him. That's perfect. That's perfect. And that's an awesome way to end. Um, yeah. And I think if we can all leave that mark, then um, I think the world will be a lot better place than we found it. And at the end of the day, that's what uh, I hope we're all striving for. No question. So um, with that, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I think that content, the context you provided, the personal experiences and the stories for sure 
Um, I think are going to resonate with a lot of people. They surely did for me. And uh, because of that, dude, I, I appreciate you. I thank you for coming on and nothing but good things ahead for you. And thank you for inspiring me, inspiring your clientele. And you have a larger reach than I think you imagine. And you may realize sometimes and just keep rocking because you are a light and uh, appreciate you greatly, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, brother. Thank you, man. No question. No question. Everybody else out there, that's going to wrap up another week of the Coach Coop podcast. And again, I want to thank Ben for coming on. I've got a very special guest coming on next week. That means a lot to me and that I've also learned a lot from. So um, two back in on Monday for our weekly Monday gig and also Friday for that discussion because it is going to be a great one and you will gain a lot from it. Okay, have a great weekend. We'll see you guys back on Monday. God bless you all. Coach Coob.